This is Everyday Photography Every Day, where you get to listen in on a chat between a photographer, that's me, and a regular human. That's me. With an eye on making your pictures amazing. No technical stuff, no talk of gear or software, just photography for the love of it. We're sponsored by Neomodern.com, bringing concierge photo printing and framing to everyone with a smartphone. I'm Suzanne Fritz Hansen, enthusiastic iPhone picture taker. And I'm Michael Rubin, photographer, founder of Neomodern, and grumpy old man, and we're in San Francisco tonight. Welcome. Hey, Rubin. Hey, Suzanne. How are you doing? I'm good. Nice to see you this weekend. Thank you. Nice to see you, too. Yeah. Doing a little bit earlier than... um, Earlier than normal on a Saturday, although not that much earlier, considering yeah, I couldn't get into my what car. Was that, what was that all about? <laughs> the key fob wouldn't work, but I had an I had arms full of things because I'm running errands after this, and so I walk up. Uh, we live in the Mission, so you know, walking up um, like Liberty Hill area is is named appropriately. Yeah, it's hilly, uh-huh. and uh, so I walk up two blocks to get to the car. I'm like, oh. Oh, I really need to work out more. <laughs> and then I get to the car and the key fob doesn't work. It's like the, it's keyless. So it's like that can't open the doors. And so then I take it out and I'm unclicking the car and it's this not is... working. And then I un, you know how you take the um, key, like you can take a key fob apart. So yeah. there's the key in there, the reserve. Yeah. And it won't open the door. So <laughs> I, try, <laughs> I try calling Dave and I'm like, I want him to bring the new key to me because You don't want to go back down. I don't want to go back down. Yeah. Um, but I'm like monkeying around with it for five minutes, can't get it. So I have to walk back down and get the keys. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's okay. No, it was yeah. good. I felt like it was a moment more, of more, you should be more physically active than you are. Workout, yeah. In heels, yeah. <laughs> when you are in heels, and uh, that's a bummer. That's the, like the new thing. I, I I had my car stuck in the garage once because the power was out. I thought, what kind of we, oh. we, we this is this. Uh, I mean, if I might really push this around to photography stuff. It's yes, like, please. We, <laughs> <laughs> what? You I don't mean, want to chat about but, my key fob morning? But we get so uh, reliant on all the tech, and it, when it works great, it's great. The key fob, my garage door, mm-hmm. our, our, the cloud storage of your photos, right. and the internet. And these things, when they work, it's an amazing thing. But it takes very little to offset that thing. The power is out, or something's. Usually it's just the power out. But yeah, but don't get me started on cloud storage. You're stuck. <laughs> I'm not, not happy about that. You're not happy with cloud storage? No. Because cool. I can't download, I can't, any of those videos that I go back to, mm-hmm. I can never get them to play again. They just always show up with an exclamation point and that's it. And they will never play again. It's really <laughs> frustrating. Unless I've text messaged them to someone and I remember who I sent them to, that's like the only way I can get them going. I've like, it's been a number of times where I've had, you know, I, I, I'm very well organized. I have these terabyte drives of stuff and I've mm-hmm. been saving things and moving them around for decades. You know, the older you are, you've got very old files. And I'm I'm so organized. It feels great. But then I'm like, oh, you'd like to see the video from when the kids were two? Here, I, I could find it in a second. I mm-hmm. pull it up. It's like, won't play. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, for crying out loud. <laughs> what do you mean it won't play? It. That's the challenge. Because it's like the, the player for that particular file is not loaded. You got to go find one. Well, that won't play with this operating system. Yeah. Oh, you know. And again, I mean, people are always asking, why do I think printing is so important for photographs? But you know, the tech is amazing, but it's only replacing sort of the negative part, the shooting part and the negative and the storage, and it's very efficient. Yeah. It, and it's cool for, as a frictionless distribution method, ooh, as, a, as a way of like everyone seeing your pictures, but they aren't, they will go away. That is not a great way to do it. And it just gets you more easily to the moment of decision of saying, 
I want to keep that one really. I want to have access to that. I want to save that. I want to give that to my kids. I want to come back to that. Whatever the thing is. And it's printing. It's, yeah. You just got to print it. It's just a, you know, it's the perfect format. It survives all kinds of stuff. Yes, there could be a fire and you, all your pictures burn up. That happens. And that's why you hedge with cloud storage. Mm-hmm. But the hedge for cloud storage is that you got to print some of the stuff that you like. Yeah. That Gutenberg was really onto something. He's That guy was smart. I know. Wasn't that like 1500s or something like that? Yeah, I mean, there's he, a reason. He was way ahead of his time. <laughs> there's a reason that books have been around. I mean, they're there. They are they are timeless. And I think you have a good point with, with photographs also, just that they keep them top of mind. You get to see those. You see the imagery. You get to be reminded of those moments instead of them slipping into how many times have you gone through your photos photos on your phone and been like oh I totally forgot about that I'm the wrong person to ask because I go through my photos all the time mm. I like the serendipitous discovery like I you know you go through and I, I star things that I like and I have my method of right. kind of picking yeah. that but I'll go back through if you go back through and look at your starred pictures, you start seeing things that you think you're going to want to come back to. But once in a while, I, I look through the stuff that doesn't have stars, like the rest of them. Right. And I invariably will find things like, wow, that's great. What? Why Dang, didn't I star I, this? And I almost didn't. <laughs> that almost disappeared into the cloud of 180,000 photos that I'll never see again. Yeah. And I loved that it was... I don't know. I love disco- that kind of, that magical discovery. Like, oh, I forgot about that trip, that weekend trip. That like, I didn't think the pictures were very good. It wasn't that good a trip. But now I'm looking at it with 20 years hindsight or 10 years hindsight, and I think, oh, that's nice. So I like pouring through stuff inefficiently. Mm-hmm. There's something to be said for that inefficient. Do you ever print or do you ever find one of these old photos and you're like, oh, I. I, I forgot about this. I definitely I want this out. I want to print this. I want to I want to work yes, on this. What yes. was the and oldest actually, one you found? My, my buddy Carl was over yesterday, and he was you know helping us with neo modern stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and Carl has a print. Remember, I only make one print of things. So he mm-hmm. has the print of this thing I shot in Carmel in like the eighties, and it is exactly that kind of thing. I remembered taking it. I remembered looking at it, but it never struck me as that good. And then. 25 years later, I was scanning things into the computer. I found the negative and I decided what the hell and I put it into the computer. And as I stared at it, I thought, I can't believe I didn't realize this was an amazing photograph. I mean, you just couldn't see the detail when it's small. Mm-hmm. Again, sort of the Instagram problem. Right. You just can't see how great it is when it's small. Right. And and when I blew it up and looked at it, I realized all the little details, the nuances and the light and the and the activity. So, Yes. Uh, yes is the answer. It's great to go back through stuff. And, and often you find things that are gems in there. Yeah. Uh, so that's pretty cool. Did, I also just read, I don't know, um, 1839. So it's 180 years ago. Is that right? 1839. 1839 is the invention of photography. Oh. We're at the 180th year wow. of photography. But only in the past. We've done a 180. <laughs> Not funny? <laughs> it's almost funny. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, can we come up with something about that? Like, do a 180 on photography. <laughs> photography, 180. It's like, well, hmm. I mean, it used to be very unportable and very, you know, challenging to to well, so, even take a photo. And now it's like, now it's photo in an instant in your pocket. It is. And in fact, in 1839, it was invented simultaneously by two different people. Mm. Like, uh, there was uh, Henry Talbot Fox, I think, was, is kind of credited as an inventor. But at the exact same time, this guy Daguerre, came up with a different method, but both methods for sort of fixing a shadow. They would describe it as fixing a shadow. 
Oh, interesting. Yeah. It's like the brazier and the uh, over-the-shoulder boulder holder. I'm sorry. Anyone what? that knows Bette Midler. What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> it's a song about <laughs> these two inventors that <laughs> made, invented like a brazier, like a, like a women's support. And one, one called it an over-the-shoulder boulder holder. And the other one, it was like the brazier named after, I think, his name. But there... It's a funny song about. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we can we put it in the link. This or, oh, you want the link of that? I was like, yes. we could edit this out. Oh, or add a link to or it. Or yeah. double down. <laughs> this is quality stuff. Um, I think I think it's actually from the movie Beaches. It's like her character sings about this over the shoulder boulder holder. Wow. Hooray. Looking forward to you pulling this back to photography somehow. I, I don't know, but it's just—it's simultaneous. It's like the inventions happening at the same time. I see. It's just—it's in—it's in the air. Okay. Well, we can anyway, go back to photography. Well, I was flipping through this book uh, called *The Art of Fixing the Shadow*. Okay. Which was an exhibition at—I'm making this up now, but it might have been MoMA. Um, and it was looking at the history of photography, but it was in particular looking at the history of sort of creative expression in photography because that's really sort of the shift that happened. Um, you know, kind of maybe that's what we could talk about is, is sort of this art, the art side of photography. I know there's a lot of discussions of the profession, mm -hmm. you know, getting a job, getting or even the, the logistics of getting in a gallery or getting discovered, but just using photography as creative expression instead of just using it as a document tool. Photography for the art of it. Is that is that one of our slogans? I mean, I could write it down. <laughs> um, but it already well. I, I think it exists. It's I mean, yeah, of, like, for the love of it. Up, but I yeah. mean, what I what I like about this topic actually, and I think that um, your sister uh, Gabrielle does really well, and it's really interesting where she uses photography in a way that it's almost it, it's like in her palette of um, it's she's not painting but it's like in her palette of paints almost it's like it becomes a raw material that she then elevates and she sort of takes it to the next level and I think that there's a real um, free, freedom in that for, for anyone to kind of adopt and try and you can not not take you can take photography seriously and you could but you can still be like you know what I'm not sure if I love this but maybe I'm not done with it mm -hmm. maybe I'm going to keep mm -hmm. going and That's I think cool. photography yeah. for the for, like the art of photography is pretty intimidating to a lot of people that if you're setting off to make fine art, that's a really high bar. It's And it, it, I think that it would actually inhibit creating. I, yeah. I actually, sometimes I'll go to a museum and see work and I'm inspired. Like I want to grab my camera and go yeah. out. But a lot of the time I see work and I think, I can't, I can't do this. Yeah. I think I should just hang up my camera. And, oh, exactly. And, and uh, like, what? who am I kidding? Right. Yeah. This is look at these. Look at these, right? Well, and I think it's it's just like the act of of starting. I mean, my my mother's a painter and mm -hmm. so she would just just get the get the line out of the way. You mm -hmm. know, don't the an empty canvas is so it can be really intimidating. You're just staring at it. You're like, "What's the, what's the first move? What what do I do first? And so it's just get that get the first line. Get but it I, out of the way. People uh, when you're thinking about printing, I think that is such a high bar. People like, well, I want to print something. Yeah, good I want to put something on the wall, but I, I don't know if my stuff's good enough mm -hmm. or, I, you know, really, I want to look at that all the time. I, I'm lousy at this. I should get up. You know, we should buy something. I mean, you could buy something, but. Uh, but try your own stuff first or try your, fr you know, your friend's stuff or things like that. I just got a, mm -hmm. as you know, I, um, I just got a print from Neo Modern. And oh, that's right. I, we unwrapped it. In, we unwrapped it uh, earlier. In Instagram Live. <laughs> that was kind of fun. Um, but I mean, I think that that is that's actually really rewarding seeing something 
even just the act of framing something, to be honest, elevates it so tremendously that it looks it, it looks better than you could better than you thought it would have it's better true. than you thought it was even right and right. it does kind of take it to that notch that that next level of art but beyond something that you're purchasing it has a story and it has a, a resonance whether it's you know your photograph or it's someone's um, work who you love mm-hmm. or you know really respect that's pretty that's pretty nice I, I uh, it's funny I'm thinking now I'm imagining a grid a quad split kind of grid four four-way grid and it's got across the top the kind of continuum from amateur to professional okay where uh, you know where you can see, you know amateur meaning you're just doing it for the love of it mm-hmm. professionals you're just doing it for the money and mm-hmm. then somewhere in the middle there you're doing it because you love it and it pays you or you get mm-hmm. paid a little bit or you know so right that's a continuum and then on a vertical axis you've got this continuum from documentary to pure creative expression mm-hmm. and and I think what you end up with is is everybody kind of or every whether it's every person or every picture is somewhere in there mm-hmm. where um, if you are like a distribution matrix. Yeah. It's a, is, that, is that what you call that? I think so. OK. Um, and I think that people naturally tend to think of photography as a documentary tool. That's mm-hmm. the that's the sort of hitting the drum without any skill. You just take point it and it freezes that thing and you have a record of it. And we're all in Paris, or here's my brother, or whatever. It's just a document, and and the where a lot of education in photography is kind of helping people move kind of from amateur to professional, how to get better that way using mm-hmm. more tools. I sort of feel like our work is to help people move from document to the the creative expression part, the poetic continuum, and. Even being an amateur doesn't matter. I mean, if you sell that stuff, you're an artist, right? Mm-hmm. If you can sell this creative expression, but don't don't worry about the, the 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 amateur to professional side. Think about how you take your photography from the document to the poetic side. Mm-hmm. Does but that make sense? I, 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 it does. I really love that that metaphor. I, I think that there's there's almost two divides though. That there's like a there's a divide, a single divide mm-hmm. to make two. Um, separates but it's it's almost like your the, the way that I feel like we've really been talking a lot about photography and I think your personal uh, take is it's this uh, sort of like mise-en-scene like what is what is in the scene that is making it that is it's you sort of leave it you're not moving things around you're not doing still lifes you're not you're not using it as a creation as like a you know a three-dimensional creation that you're then capturing as a 2d mm-hmm. and so I sort of see that as the divide of people that are using photography as um well, I guess in a way you are with nudes, but mm-hmm. um, but the, but thing people that are really doing a setup and really doing kind of a a still life or orchestrating the the scene and others that are sort of documenting what's there, but uh, and, and, helping and elevate uh, you know, th- how you're shooting it. Uh, have, you, have you seen the book? It's a it's a book on photography. I think it's called Women Before Ten or Women Before Nine. Oh, that it's actually it's really I think I have it in my. Um, my book collection, but uh, it's a, a photographer went to all these, you know, women's hat and they're like business women, um, artists, entrepreneurs, whatever. But she sort of photographs them in the morning before 10 o'clock. So some are still getting up. Some are like, you know, working out. But there is this honesty to this is their routine. This is what they're doing. This is kind of them. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll look for it and That's then cool. we can link to it. It's just there, there's something nice about it made me think of like, you know, so, nudes in their natural habitat. Sure. sure. <laughs> I mean, is that sort of the thing about art photography? At least today, there's a it's very conceptual. You come up with this idea, new, uh, women before 10 yeah. or, you know, whatever the, the, the conceit is mm-hmm. that you want to go shoot. 
But I don't know that everyone has to come up with like that's always neat, like my Christmas trees after Christmas on the streets of San yeah. Francisco or something. And now you have a, a reason, uh, something kind of uh, coalescing a project mm. for yourself. And that's reason d'etre. It's nice. Yeah, I think that's helpful. But I don't think you have to have it, right? Like I think that we could also encourage people to just practice. Recently, I've been encouraging people to just practice composition without any concern about content or meaning or even Mm -hmm. sharing any of that. Just practice composing in a frame because if you get good at that and start seeing things that way, then when there's really good stuff, you've got it kind of down. But each picture you take... It would be nice if you could think about how to move this from the document into that, how you feel about it, that it isn't full. I'm sorry. Well, I think as you train yourself to have more sort of visual exposure and kind of a visual education, if you will, Mm -hmm. um, I think that you are better at then having that intent going forward. Like, I know I'm kind of knowing what I like, so I'm not just going to document this um, this apple on the street. I'm actually going to get down or I'm going to change angles. I'm going to tr- I'm going to play around with this where my me documenting this moment isn't about just, OK, click. That was so weird. Yeah. Oh, look, a weird apple on the street. Click. I yeah. have a picture of the weird apple on the street. Right. But it could be and also a really interesting picture. So I think it's just as you sort of visually train, I think your composition exercises are excellent for that of just starting to see really stop moments and see them visually to understand, do I like this? What do I like about this? OK, next one. What changed slightly? What do I like? about this? what don't I like about this? What would have been better? And then you get to kind of take these practices. I mean, it's it's like a, it's a workout. You're mm-hmm. you're training your it eye. While you're thinking of that, yes. do you think that because I feel like our culture is so much more visual now than it was historically? I mean, people used to read the paper, and now they read Facebook, um, or <laughs> just the, you know they look looking at Instagram. Twitter, but do you feel yeah. like our culture is more visually sort of savvy now because of all these visual medias? I think we're. I mean, the term everyone seems to use is visual literacy, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I absolutely, I mean, we communicate in these images. We're used to seeing everything like that. We've lost, I think we're losing that, the depth that you get from reading something. Yes, you, yeah. you almost forget how much different the kind of information you get when you really read versus glancing at an image to kind of understand it. Well, you get the thousand words that are controlled and edited by the person telling the story rather than the picture's thousand words that you're sort of choosing. Yeah, I mean, it's like we, we're definitely very visually literate. I mean, we're we're bombarded with these images, but I yeah. think it, it inures us. Is that the word inure? I don't. You know, that's a new vocabulary word for me. So I love learning new words. I will look that up after. <laughs> I need to stop using words. I don't really know what they mean. <laughs> I, um, I, I think it sort of deadens your. I'm going to Google Siri. That one. What does inure mean? <laughs> uh, I can it, do this I, simultaneously. Yeah, tell us what it is. <laughs> I believe it's kind of deadening your sensitivity to something, and. I think that's what sort of happened. On one hand, we're getting very visually literate, but on the other, it now takes a lot more to trigger trigger us visually. Uh, inure is a verb spelled I-N-U-R-E. Uh-huh. It is to accustom to accept something uh, to accept something undesirable. Children inured to violence. So it's not really deadening but i mean it is that i mean children inured to violence right that's to become accustomed to accept something undesirable right so uh, accustomed i i don't think i'm totally off saying that it kind of deadens yeah no i think i think that um your sensitivity to something yeah uh so i think we do have we're inured to now i'm going to use that word all the time 
It's the me, word too. Of the day. <laughs> me too. Me too, because we've said it many times, and now it's lodged in my brain. That and synecdoche, and you're good to go. Exactly. Let's challenge. Word challenge. You have to use it three <laughs> times today. We could be like Pee Wee's Playhouse. Like, you, know, you know what I'm talking about? We need about? the thing we, to pop up on the it screen. It flash yeah. up on the, on the wall. If we say it, the, the, the confetti falls and all I, that stuff. I remember Pee Wee's Playhouse. Do you? Yes. Really? Yeah. Kind of. <laughs> Pee Wee's Playhouse was post-produced at the Post Group, where I was working uh, early in my career. Um, back to photography. Back to photography. Back and to back photography, to, Ruben. Back to putting art on your walls, putting <laughs> photographs on your walls. Do you think it has to be big? Like, I look at all these things no, where they, they print stuff on canvas giant, and I think, I don't know what I have that I want to make giant on a wall. Like, if it's... Like a, a powerful picture would be too powerful, giant on the wall, and or like the Helmut Newton, the giant supermodels. The, <laughs> you know those weird. big. Can you imagine, just... What kind of house would you have to have to have the Helmut Newton on the wall? Uh, a big narcissistic one. You think like my, I, I'm picturing <laughs> like, the sort of modern Miami beach clean. Totally, one, right? totally. I deserve this. Yeah. I deserve to have these women. A in my single home. guy, <laughs> right? A bachelor. I'm, I mean, they're, they're beautiful. Like photos. Scarface. I'm picture. I'm picturing Al Pacino and Scarface. That yeah. he could have had that helmet Newton. Weren't they in a restaurant in New York? Weren't they like all on the walls in a restaurant in New York? The helmet Newtons. Yeah, just the nude ones though. I, uh, I, I mean, feel like I remember did you seeing. See that? Um, probably an interior design magazine oh, good, years yeah. ago. Is there anything else you want to say about art? Well, I, I just I actually just find the importance of. Um, Kind of like, again, the importance of just taking the edge off. Like, it's okay to try things and it doesn't have to be right on the first try. I think printing um, and just seeing my picture now framed, oh, that... it elevates it. And it feels, it feels, I'm more, you know, I'm kind of like more proud. That sounds more prouder. It's just, that also sounds weird. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm, I'm happier with that piece of art and that picture than I was when it was just a picture. So seeing it, I, I'm more... More excited about oh you know what I'm gonna hang this someplace more important I'm gonna hang this you know yeah. over the over this little moment that we're you know I, designing it's I have to say when people walk when when people get stuff printed at Neo Modern and we were there when they see their finished print almost to a T to every single person when they see when you when you see your print yeah. large <laughs> out of that you took with your phone it's this crazy experience it's it you're over it's it's hard to explain what it feels like to see something that you took and that you liked large and beautifully made mm -hmm. it's a, and that's the experience that artists have right when they make things and they get to step back and be like wow that's, mm -hmm. but it's i don't not, even think it has to be that large you know it that's doesn't what's have to so be that, and photos don't have to be and that's i like 8 by 10 mm -hmm. uh, 11 by 14 is getting to be a pretty big picture mm -hmm. Like physically to have to print that size, you see a ton of detail. Remember, it's uh, area is the square of the size. Like you go up a little bit in mm -hmm. dimension, and you're getting a lot more area in there. That's why you always order the large pizza. Why is that? Because it just look at the cost. I mean, you get you oh, go a little bit bigger. No, the area that will get volume, but the yeah, area, yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah. just like oh, of course I should spend an extra two dollars to get the large pizza. You know, so people tune in here for their economic pizza yes, lessons. You're welcome. <laughs> well, let's go order some pizza. And distribution matrix. You know, I'm here all day. <laughs> Great. Um, all right. Well, let's let's uh, let people go have some. We'll wrap it up. Pizza and tea. Yeah, and some it, art on their walls. 
put some art on the walls. Maybe they're inured <laughs> to other things we've been saying. Inured, use one. <laughs> just... Well done. Well, our show is recorded and produced in San Francisco. Go to neomodern.com slash podcast to get show notes, see photos, and post comments. Leave reviews and ratings on iTunes or wherever you listen, and don't forget to subscribe. We get new listeners from you telling your friends and spreading the word. If you know someone who might get something from us, please send them a link. Thanks to Mitchell Foreman for our theme music and all of you for hanging out with us. We appreciate your attention and hope we've given you some things to think about. Until next time.